Welcome back to another episode of the Catholic Buzz Podcast. We're so happy that you're joining us uh, again today as we explore different topics uh, in the life of the Catholic Church. And my name is uh, Father Daniele, and I'm joined, as always, by Josh Sullivan over here. Hello. Josh, welcome to you. Thank you. And, of course, uh, Matt Van Milligan on Hello. my right. Matt, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you? Yeah? Yeah. You've been doing, keeping well these days? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, this is this is a good thing if people have been keeping well because we know that uh, we're in kind of tumultuous times right now, yeah. right? And uh, not everyone is is keeping well, unfortunately, because of what's going on. I mean, you know, especially here in Canada, you know, we we kind of had our own sort of issues going on here in Canada with the protests Those and sort America of seem yeah. to be resolved or or at least yeah. <laughs> well, I think the news media moved quiet, on I think yeah. that's what happened and then we have this uh, devastating news about what's happening in the Ukraine yeah. right yeah. now with uh, and Russia and the Ukraine and and the whole world's kind of watching and uh, praying yeah. right which leads us to uh, discuss a little bit about the situation because you know where do we as Catholics fit in when there's war going on when there's uh, or at least the threat of war mm-hmm. going on right i think i think it's kind of cool because as catholics um i mean our history <laughs> is riddled with war and whether sometimes it's what we consider a just war whether it's considered whatever but i like I like just a war but as, as in the last century let's say we've really defined the catholic faith has really defined what it allows as a just war what allows in war our catechism kind of defines it now um, and uh, it it gives us precise guidelines, I think. And that's why you'll see a lot of times the Catholic Church doesn't weigh in on war quite often, meaning politically. Like they don't come in and say this side is good, this side's bad. Pope Francis had, Pope Francis just says pray right now, pray for Ukraine, yeah. right? Because of the situation there. Yeah, and for some people that seems seems like like a half measure to just say, well, like, and, and you have a lot of people responding to say pray for, pray for Ukraine, pray for mm-hmm. the situation. Um, and uh, a lot of people would question like, okay, why can't we do more? Or like, what 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 more can we do? Or like, what more um, fits with our theology? What 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 more fits with our duty as Catholics? And mm-hmm. I think that's what we're gonna talk about today. Break over. Yeah, and uh, you know, actually, in an unprecedented move, you know, I know that word has been overused during our time of COVID, uh, but uh, the the Pope he actually went to the Russian embassy, mm-hmm. spent over half an hour there, which defied sort of protocols of what usually happens in these situations, right? Mm -hmm. I guess he just showed up there and he went to express his concern, really. Mm -hmm. And uh, he he went and met with the ambassador there at the Russian embassy and was trying to say, hey, that's enough here. So people were really interested in 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 why the pope did that because it, it broke all of the um what do you call it the formal yeah. sort of procedures yeah Ex- expectations right? well because you have to also understand that it's it's like the vatican is a sovereign nation which which then like has protocols in place specifically when they weigh in on certain topics the pope doing that kind of steps outside of what he's doing as the mm-hmm. leader of that sovereign nation you know so it's but at the same time i i, I respect him for the the guts that it takes just to no, know there's there's what is right and what is what is allowed, you know, like so. Yes, and uh, I know that he has said, uh, whether it's, I mean, these are reports I'm reading on Twitter yeah, or things like that, right, that uh, he's going to do, Pope Francis said that he's going to do whatever he can uh, to help yeah. in, the, in this situation. Of course. Right? So there is some general concern there, obviously, from, well, we're all concerned about what's going on. It's scary. You know, like you think of uh, people in your own family, you know, who may have gone through a war before, mm-hmm. 
um, the thought, for, especially, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna might sound like an old man right now, but you look like the young people in 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 the young people in general, like teenagers and things like that, are really concerned about what's going on now because now all of a sudden the world is getting serious, eh? Yeah. It's like where you didn't have concern about before. It's like war was something you learned in, in history yeah. books. Now things are getting serious. It's like, whoa, there's potential here for this to explode beyond what, what we can yeah. all ever yeah. imagine. Yeah. yeah, and we can say thanks be to God that war is so unfamiliar that it kind of catches us True. off guard like that. But I, I even remember like as a kid, yeah, like the, um, like the, the fall of the Berlin Wall and the yeah. like yeah. The, even the Gulf War, like yeah. the, those those are in living memory. Of course. Um, and a lot of that, what we're going to look at today, um, is written by a lot of people who you know lived, lived through, through the Second World War and yeah, a lot of the kind of East West, um, you know, conflicts that are that are at play. I love I love that the fact that so like one of our both actually the last two popes potentially three, but uh, I mean uh, John Paul II and Pope Benedict. Uh, both very the war had a very significant place in their lives mm-hmm. their life story i yeah. should say you know what yeah, i mean right. uh, if anybody ever watches the i think it's the movie carol i think was a real good great fantastic great movie, movie. Yeah, about, john paul ii yeah it was it was a great movie and that kind of just shows a, for me it opened up my eyes as to what the pope's role in the at the time sorry the young man carol um his role in the war was at that time as a young priest and everything like it was a beautiful movie so if you haven't read that, if you haven't watched that, that's a good movie to watch. Yeah, and and right now, you know, we're uh, so just before we get into, you know, obviously we're going to talk about the church teaches about war and things like that. Um, in the meantime, you yeah. know, Ash Wednesday, which depends on when people are listening to this, <laughs> uh, is has either passed or yeah. is already is, is still Today, ongoing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, um, it's it is a day, it is normally a day of fasting yeah. and abstaining from meat. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pope Francis has asked that that fasting be offered up for the Ukraine, right? Yeah. Um, so if you're listening to this after Ash Wednesday, still not too late to offer a day of fasting for the Ukraine. Uh, also, there's obviously lots of people sending prayers and support and financial help to the Ukraine. And it really got me thinking about our Ukrainian Catholic brothers and sisters, you know, because here in the city that we live in, we don't have a Ukrainian Catholic church. But across our diocese, there's many. there are yeah, yeah. Ukrainian Catholic churches. I know in Sudbury, uh, there's St. Mary's Ukrainian Catholic Church. And funny enough, in Sault Ste. Maurice, also St. Mary's Ukrainian Catholic <laughs> Church. But both communities have lovely uh, people in them, uh, good pastors. And, uh, you know, I, I, feel for, I feel for them right now because, you know, we're talking about this as people overseas who are going through war. Some of our some of our brothers and sisters in these communities have siblings, relatives yeah. that are still living in in the Ukraine. I, and, I think with this time too, it's going to be one of the I, I saw it's going to be one of the most well documented wars in all of history. Yeah, and be, you know, like you know? people are like posting, like as things are happening, you yeah. see TikTok videos of mm-hmm. like things blowing up and yeah, uh, yeah, it's people remarkable. coming up to a red light and then all of a sudden the red light blows up in front of them just because they have a car camera on or something like that. Like, That's right. Just making it very real for people. In maybe maybe it's first world nation countries, you know what I mean, like that are that are oh wow, this could be us, you know yeah. what I mean? Like if this was happening in our country, you're driving a car and a bomb just blows up in front of you. What do that's you do? Right. You know, that's right. Yeah, it's kind of cool. It is it is neat to see, but it's so, scary to see. Yeah, exactly. Like Sorry. it's scary that that yeah, I agree. Um, that that we that we have that almost instant. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like we're the watching feed. these things live. I think I think it's going to bring the war very real to people. Back at home, yeah. Mm-hmm. Where sometimes the horrors of a war can only be imagined, you know. So, yeah. 
All right. Well, let's get to the thick of things because uh, people want to know, like, where do Catholics stand with uh, this sort of stuff? Where does the Catholic Church stand with war? You know, I think the very first thing is there. The Church actually says that there is a place for war. <laughs> with some, like, it. The way that the Church tackles war is in the definition of peace, meaning. We, the, the focus of the church is that it should be peace, should be the center of our focus, the, the, what we're working towards. And if that means that war has to happen because of that, then there are some very just, there's very specific guidelines that need yeah. to be followed in order to make it what's called a just war, or a war that is okay to fight in, or a, a war that is... Um, yeah, the, the church has been around long enough. That you know, it existed when war was a just a perennial reality of yeah. of human culture and whatever. Like, and even if you go, um, you know, back or back to the scripture, um, that you know, Jesus said, you know, blessed are the peacemakers. Um, he also said, don't suppose that I've come to bring peace, but I've come to bring a sword. And he also says, <laughs> if yeah. you don't have a sword, sell your cloak and buy one. But he also says, yeah. whoever lives by the sword dies by the sword. So, like, <laughs> what Jesus means by we should pursue peace above all things. Yeah. gets a little complicated and if you reach back even further into the old testament like you know the um the commandments thou shalt not kill yeah. um but then you have in ecclesiastes you have um uh there's there's a time to uh what is it um a time to save life and a time to kill and yeah. you like you you have these they're different hebrew words of course that yeah. one one means actually murder the other one is kill in the context of war um so you know what 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 how we strive towards peace in a world that is kind of beset with conflict, that can get a bit complicated. And thankfully, we have the church to kind of unpack and set out very clear criteria and thankfully a really high threshold for, you know, when when war is appropriate and, and what, our, what our place yeah. in that Yeah, that's be. right. I like how you said that because, you know, the church has been around for so long. Yeah. It has lived through, uh, you know, yeah. many, many wars. Uh, but, you know, we were talking because I think people would be surprised that the church might say, well, war is okay. But I think it's in the, like, where it says that war is okay. Yeah. And I know you had pointed us towards the catechism of the Catholic Church That's just right. before we started. And, like, number 2308 yeah. is very, if you're looking at your catechism at home, 2308 is very clear, yeah. right, where where um, war is okay. And here it says this. It says, all citizens and all governments are obliged to work for the avoidance of war, okay? However, here's the big however. <laughs> as long as the danger of war persists and there is no international authority with the necessary competence and power, governments cannot be denied the right of lawful self-defense once all peace efforts have failed. That's right. And that has like... Well, that just makes sense, yeah. right? Yeah, for sure. If, like, you, yeah. you don't start a war. And and I think, like, so there's a couple of things that come out of that just in itself, right? If you're looking at it, um, a couple of the things that the church says for just war. Okay, the very first one is the war must be for a just cause. So in this case, it's saying for self-defense, meaning you don't have to just allow yourself to be overtaken by another country. You don't have to just allow yourself, your citizens to be killed or overpowered yeah. or whatever. You're allowed to do it for a just cause. You can't go into another country and just take it over for whatever reason, yeah. but for a just cause, it, it's allowed. Yeah. Uh, the, one of the other ones, though, it, the war must be lawfully declared by a lawful authority. Mm. And that's one of those things that I think it, it, it's, it's not just, it just can't just be, well, we're going to war, you know, and people just decide. Yeah. It, has to, it has to be by a lawful, dis like the people competent 
lawful authority, I think is, is the big words there. Yeah. That's right. All right. So the other one, the intention behind the war must be good. And again, when we're saying the war itself, (laughs) what we're saying is in the self-defense or in the, like, what what we're saying here is not... The the objective must always be peace. Exactly. So, like, automatically, just with those three criteria, you've eliminated almost every conflict or, like, recent conflict in, like, any invasive war, any war that's aimed at, you know, claiming territory, anything that's not, you know, solely in the interest of preserving peace just doesn't meet that threshold, doesn't yeah. meet that criteria for what we would consider just war. Yeah. yeah. Okay, do you want to get the other ones? Or? And, yeah. uh, so my question here yeah. for you, and I'm just playing, you know. Devil's advocate. Devil's yeah. advocate. <laughs> like, so this, how does this, how does this correlate with the fifth commandment, you know? I think, I think Matt kind of hit the nail on the head. It, there's two different words there. One is murder and one is killing in war. Uh, one one is is murder in the in the sense of why why are you murdering someone? I mm-hmm. guess would be the so the Pope talked a lot about t- uh, taking away the death penalty, right? Just in recent times, um, and like there is no reason we should ever have to, especially nowadays. I mean, yeah. at, at one time the death penalty might have been um, allowed or okayed potentially, and if you couldn't store a, a dangerous person that was going to kill again, you couldn't store them safely, and you couldn't, uh, yeah. you know. Um, Maybe provide for yeah. their needs in a in a just right manner. I, I mean, I, I'm just spitballing off the top of my head. Um, and I think those were included in the um, modifications to the death penalty that where incarceration is not possible and yes. there's no other uh, possibility of maintaining public safety. But that's, the the reason for eliminating was because yeah. incarceration is. That's right. Yeah. I think we had talked about that on a previous episode. Yeah, yeah. I remember that. Yeah. And th- and that's well, that's where I say like so nowadays we don't we very rarely have reason for that yeah. to go forward. Yeah. You know, we have jails that are very, are set for that purpose and so on and so forth. But when it comes to war, um, again, avoidance of peace. So it even goes through and talks about like, so your military strategy must not be civilians. It must only be military or very strategic locations if you were going to attack um, in, in, again, pursuit of peace. Um, and so, uh, taking the innocence away from the war, taking away, like the whole reason for this is to stop the violence yeah. you know what i mean is to use again unfortunately it seems contradictory but to use violence to stop violence that's right or to use force maybe yeah. is the better word to use force uh to <clears throat> overcome yeah you and, know? and a proportional measured force not uh yeah. excessive force because it that's that's that. one of the additional cri- criteria that yeah. you know if if the force that's being used is actually going to cause more destruction or more more loss of life yeah then it's it's not proportional and it's not it's not justified. And the the, the catechism also teaches something really interesting about um, just because a war is going on doesn't mean that the moral law is thrown out the window. No, yeah. you know, like it, it 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 does it teaches you know that's just because for example that war is going on it has lists of things like for example wounded soldiers mm-hmm. are still to be treated humanely yeah. by all parties. It's yeah. like the church's outline hear some things about like how to act in war which i think is really neat yeah. like yeah. you know like sure there's war going on but but that doesn't excuse ourselves from the moral law and, no right and more than that the world is kind of taking note of this like so the first kind of i think formal articulation of just war theory is augustine um around like fourth century or early fifth century and then you know aquinas kind of refines it and it's been this kind of ongoing mm-hmm aspect of, of the teaching of the church but um even you have the 
um, the, uh, the the laws, the, the Geneva Convention laws right. for, you know, armed conflict, that, yeah. you know, how, how non-combatants are to be treated. Or whatever. Right. A lot of those are rooted in the, the just, just war theory of the church. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of cool that the Catholic Church has that. Um, I mean, when it comes to moral ground and authority, we like to kick the Catholic Church under. Like no one, ha- like nowadays, it's it's my own moral law, it's my mm-hmm. own just there. But then when it comes down to world law, world, yeah. th- it seems to always go back to okay, well, let's go yeah. to the, the authorities or the, the church. Yeah, yeah, yeah like, exactly. What we'll take from that? I think it goes back to like the really wise thing, you know, that Matt said. Uh, always full of wise things, Matt. <laughs> But, you know, like the church has lived like longer than any other yeah. institution sort of thing, right? So it has some wisdom to say when it talks about these, like, you know, in the, in the we were talking about the catechism uh, of the Catholic church, you know, and it says like uh, actions deliberately contrary to the law of nations and to its universal principles are crimes uh, as yeah. are the orders that command such actions. So basically it's saying like blind obedience, right, does not suffice to excuse someone's actions, right? The people who carry them out. And it specifically says that the extermination of a people, a nation, an ethnic minority is always to be condemned as a mortal sin, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and it says one is morally bound to resist orders that command genocide, yeah. right? So I, I think that puts in context too, when we're talking about war, uh, just war, you know, it's, and the and the church allows for these things when when we're uh, when there's been an elimination of peace, you know. I'm I'm thinking of uh, obviously the Holocaust comes to mind, yeah. right? And the Rwandan genocides; those aren't things that the, the that the church is saying like, well, if if peace is the aim here, yeah. like yeah. you yeah. know. So I just want to be clear about yeah. you know, no the, about the right intention. So one of the things I have here: acceptable reasons for going to war <clears throat> are a just cause such as the stopping of an unjust aggressor, right. having the goal of restoring peace rather than seeking revenge, retaliation, or total destruction of an enemy without the possibility of surrender. <clears throat> like if you're going to war just to murder, yeah. you know, like, no, that's yeah. not, the, the aim here again is, is peace. One of the things it says here, the means used in war must be in proportion to the end that the war seeks to achieve. Yeah. Exactly. And so you're not going in, I mean, so in... <laughs> In a way, you might say that nuclear war yeah. never has a place. And I think actually it was Pope uh, Francis that, or it was John Paul II, yeah. uh, JP2 said that like nu- nuclear war never has a place because you're killing yeah. the innocents that you're killing. Uh, biological warfare doesn't have a place because, yeah. again, you're killing multiple innocents and like you, you can't yeah. direct that fire. Whereas in when you come in with precision attacks in military style, that is, that, that's the way to do it because you can say, okay, these people... They're the combatants. Yeah. We can kill them specifically, and not a whole town, a whole city, a whole, you know. Yeah. And that's that's the main argument for. So, uh, in you know, living memory or in kind of uh, recent years, people would say that World War II is probably the closest war to have met this really high threshold that you're, you know, you're fighting against naked aggression. You're, um, um, you're working towards restoring, you know, uh, world order. Um, but you know, with with the uh, the dropping of nuclear weapons, that effectively ended the war. Like in terms of, but mm-hmm. but don't yeah, arguably don't meet that that criteria of proportional no proportionality. Yeah. What is the rule for? Let's just say you know, me and you are sitting here in Ontario, Canada. Yeah. Uh, war is breaking out. What what is our role? What does the church say for us? You know, for us who sort of sit back and are watching from afar, 
of course, obviously, we're praying for peace. I mean, that is very vital. Um, but what should we be doing as 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 people who see this war break out? We we trust in the Lord, right, at yep. all times, yep. even during war. What what are we called to do as as Catholics here when war breaks out? The Church talks about how if you have the power to obtain peace, if you have the power and the authority to force this peace, or to then you have actually a moral obligation to step forward and do so. Mm-hmm. It, it, now it gets it gets tricky because the like let's say we were going to talk about Ukraine Russia. I don't think we can at this time because there's so much background, so much history, so complex and complicated. But let's go back to uh, World War II. World War II, there was an invading nation that was trying to take over the world and rid a very specific, uh, like j- j- what they were trying to do, their their aims and goals obviously caused horror and terror and were not just. Yeah. In that case, Canada and Canadians had a, ju- like if they were able to go and help, then they should have gone and helped, and which is what like a lot of our young men and women mm-hmm. stepped up to the plate and did. And so there is that that like if you are able to, then go and do like you're supposed to. You're supposed to protect those that I can't remember the exact wording. I'm trying to figure it out. Remember, and, but. and I guess that you kind of see that going on right now. You see like world leaders who are in a position to try and impose some sort of sense into the into this uh, war or or to try and encourage peace, right? So they are stepping up. They are sort of sending aid. They're they're condemning what's going on. They're offering help. You know. Then I guess next steps. If if it gets worse, then you then we get to a situation where yeah, we have to start sending Canada sends troops or mm-hmm. or whatever it might be. So I guess there are layers to it. But I see what you're saying. You know, when people are in a situation to help, that there's a moral ob- obligation to do so. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I think the the moral obligation. So yeah, and you can talk about it from uh, a couple different. Do you have a moral obligation to go? So like that That's would right. that would come down to an individual's capa- capability, the information they have available to them to mm-hmm. gauge whether or not they're entering into a conflict that actually does meet this criteria or does mm-hmm. actually have a, a a possibility of you know a, a good outcome because that's another one that's of another the big one, yeah. the criteria. There must be a reasonable chance of success is what the big, you know. Yeah, yeah. And and also that, um, you know, uh, that there's not the same kind of possibility for compromise. That, you know, um, if you have an indication that e- even though all these things are in place, that there's, you know, a good, a good likelihood that you're going to be put in a position where you're asked to commit war crimes or you're asked to compromise your own, you know, it, you, that person is not morally obligated um, to, you know, ent- enter a combat situation or enter mm-hmm. enter a conflict. Right. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I, I know um, the document Pacem in Terrace, you know, out of Vatican II in 1963, John the 23rd yeah. had wrote, uh, you know, Peace in Our Land, Pacem in Terrace, right? Yeah. That's, the, that's the document. And uh, he he warns about the words of Pope Pius XII, you know, Pope Pius XII, who was the Pope yeah. during World, World II. War II, you know, and uh, he said that nothing is lost by peace but everything may be lost by war. Exactly. And and John the Twenty Third was was breaking this down. He's he was saying that there's there's um, three motives that that guide sort of nations to stay uh, in unison with one another, and that is the principles of truth, uh, justice, and sincere cooperation. Mm-hmm. Right. And when those things start to break down, yeah. then you know when there's truth. I mean, the document Pachamateras talks a lot about. 
you know, truth, truth as a as a weapon in war. Mm-hmm. You know, and he then he starts to talk about how you know what because even right now um, with the Russia Ukraine, yeah, you know, the Russian people uh, are told one thing about the Ukrainian right. people. Uh, you know, and yeah, sort exactly. of to sort of to get people on board. So yeah. uh, John the twenty third was saying that, that truth is an element of of war when those things break down. Also, because he was talking about propaganda 100%. and all, all these different things, right? I think it's very important to realize too. And I was actually, I was, I was con- not condemned, but uh, I was corrected, or or my thought was corrected. Convicted, convicted, or, convicted yeah. is the right word. Yeah, convicted. <laughs> I knew it started with. A I can read your mind. Okay, convicted. But I was convicted when someone said, "Well, that's at least what we're hearing." And I was like, "Oh wow, yeah," because I'm hearing on the Ukraine war one very specific narrative, mm-hmm. which. I mean, I think a lot of the world world is hearing, but it is a very specific directed narrative, whereas in the people of Russia uh, aren't necessarily hearing that same, so like not holding individuals accountable and realizing that it is a very specific narrative that's coming. Yeah. So looking at the facts, looking at the truth, and we talked about that a little while ago. Yeah. You have to look into truth and look into see exactly what it is, see who's spitting you the information and what yeah. their motive is. But first, and that's exactly. that's why I said earlier, based on the information you have available to exactly. you, because even given the example of somebody enlisting in World War One, like yeah. they're working with a news report that took two weeks to get. Exactly. And, you know, they have to travel a week to enlist and, you know, a lot is going on that they're, they just don't have access to. They have to make the decision based on, you know, yeah. the limited information they have available to them. And, you know, to that degree, they're either justified or culpable. And we talk about when we talk about sins and we've talked about this many times in the past. We're like you're looking at for mortal sins, let's say you're looking at what's your intent, what's your like all those mm-hmm. types of things that come into the mortal sense. You have to have free will. You have to have all that kind of stuff. So this kind of comes into the play when you're in the um, the plays of war, the, yeah. the the playground, I guess. It, then yeah. what exactly is like you don't want to kill this person necessarily. And it was ta- talks about firing squads and how like you have ten people on a firing squad, but only two bullets hit. And yet you might have, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. everybody aims just a little bit to the left kind of thing, you know, or whatever that case may be. People don't want to kill other people and they want to do as much as they can to not. Um, but at the same time, there will come some potentially, in, especially in the face of war, that there might come a time where you do have to. Yeah. And do you have full authority, not full authority, do you have full willingness to not kill them? Meaning like they're going to kill you if you don't if you don't kill them. And that's And maybe it's a sacrifice that you're willing to take, but otherwise, you know, you can step forward and 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 take a life. And I just want to like mention the uh, the effect of war. And, and I don't want to say this to be like poor us who aren't who are who are a continents apart and still. But the effects of war drain all of society. Oh yeah, right. There's this anxiety that arrives in in other countries uh, felt by other people. You know, um, just the fact that it, it's it's a reality. I'm not saying that. Um, you know, this situation just spurred fast all of a sudden. No. Right? Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, like, you look at the situation that's going on right now, and you think, like, one one could think, like, as if as if we're living, like, as if today, in 2022, with, uh, with all the, the beautiful things we have, as if we're living in a situation where this is happening. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. and there's this sort of just anxiety and drain that, that kind of fills every... I think I think as humans, one of the things that we have as humans that other animals don't have is looking forward to the future. You know, something that we plan for, we look at, we it it, it spurs hope, but it also spurs fear sometimes. And it depends on which one we let that. If we have faith in God that we're going to be that He's in control, then then we can have more hope than fear. You know yeah. what I mean? So if you have fear over this, 
it's 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 giving back your fear, your anxiety, as you're saying, back to God and being like, listen, God, like there's nothing I can do on this side. I can pray. And so I'm going to pray. I'm going to offer up my Ash Wednesday fasting and, and prayers for that. I'm going to, maybe I'm going to pray every day for this. I'm going to offer up a rosary. I'm going to offer communion. We have the, the Eucharist is such a powerful offertory gift. You know what I mean? Yeah. That when you offer up your, when you receive the Eucharist. But yeah, take it then to do the actions that you can. Right now, it's not possible for me <laughs> to go over and fight in Ukraine necessarily, right? Um, but it is it is possible for me to go and pray for them. It is possible for me to offer up my prayer time, and not to get, not to allow fear to reign in my heart because of it. True. Does that make sense? This this past Sunday at Mass, especially the part at Mass, you know, where you say, uh, "Deliver us, Lord." We pray from every evil, yeah, and graciously grant peace in our mm-hmm. days. That especially was loud and clear for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, like because of what's going on, and and you're like, the Lord does grant peace. He does grant peace, and the Lord is peace. He's the Prince of Peace, and so many people reject that. Yeah, or so many people, so many people refuse it. So many people don't turn to the Lord in times of anxiety or worry, like you're saying, right? And then, uh, like after we say that part, you know, because everyone says, "For the kingdom, the glory, the power is yours forever and ever." <laughs> Amen. You know, and and I I wish we would stop to really understand the words that we say at mass mm-hmm. because they they carry weight. They remind us that the Lord is with us even in trying times, right? And but the very next line, even though because we say these parts all we hear them all the time, you know, so it but, might be robotic almost and, sometimes, yeah. but yeah, but to it's actually like, stop and think. It's like Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles. Yeah. I leave you, or peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Like, everything about Jesus is peace, right? Yeah. Everything about him is peace. And and so many times, just in that part of the Mass, there in yeah. the communion rite of the Mass, we, we're reminded that Jesus is the peacemaker. Jesus mm-hmm. is the Prince of Peace. And and so many times, we just, we just take that for granted. But there is a correlation here. You know, if everyone believed that Jesus was granting us peace, was given, was, has left us peace, has given it to the, he's, he said to the apostles and accepted that in their life, we would be far away from situations that promote war or instigate yeah. war or, and you know, and, I'm ta- and that, that's talking big wars, yeah. but it's also talking war. It's also, also, also talking the war in our hearts, the war yeah. in our families, the war in our communities, the war in our societies, whatever it might be, mm-hmm. right? And uh, because, you know, giant war, <laughs> giant war like this one that we're talking yeah. about doesn't just start out of nowhere. No. It starts yeah. with the little wars that we face every day. Yeah. Yeah. And I think like it's uh, it's it's worth noting, too, that a lot of times people want to have this discussion um, in the context of, OK, what am I justified in doing or like justifying an existing war, an existing conflict or their participation in it? When I think, you know, uh, I think you're, you're saying that. Um, peace is always the objective that even even the section of the catechism that we're talking about where un, like where you know just war theory is outlined is called safeguarding peace that that's yeah. always the objective that you know um, talking about what we can do we can join our prayers with the mass we can join our prayers with everyone who wants to see a peaceful resolution to this particular conflict yeah. um, but you know we have the example of the pope going like doing the diplomatic work and you know we, mm-hmm. we have people who are actually trying to um, uh, you know, uh, uh, work towards a, a, a diplomatic solution uh, that resolves the conflict before, you know, we have to get to the point of like, okay, what, what can we do like within the context of conflict? Yeah. yeah. I, think, I think one of the things I think of when you were talking about all that too is a lot of times it seems like our only answer is 
war. Oh, yeah. we, our only answer is like we, we're either going to fight this or we're not going to fight yeah. it. Like those are the two. But you remember that Jesus so many times in the Bible came up, the Pharisees came up to Jesus and gave him only very two very specific options, like pay Caesar or not pay Caesar. And they thought they're going to get like, you, do you have to pay your taxes or not pay your taxes? Yeah. You know, like, yeah, yeah, and yeah, then yeah. how Jesus got out of it with his, with the wisdom of the Holy Spirit and everything else. So we just have to pray that that wisdom is involved in the peacemaking decisions. And well, actual, actually pray, you know, like yeah. you see people sharing on social media, pray for the Ukraine and pray for peace. But everyone just posts these pictures and no one prays, you know, like it, it becomes a hashtag and it's like, no, please stop. Please stop what you're doing and pray. Please offer a mass. Please offer your prayers, offer a rosary fast. Say know, a Hail fast, Mary every say, time you see it in your social media. Right? Like pray <laughs> for peace and, yeah. and pray to the Prince of Peace to grant us his peace. This has been a good conversation because even I learned uh, a lot about uh, s- s- the wisdom of the church and talking about war. And uh, hopefully uh, we don't have to be talking about this uh, again and the peace will uh, will will become a reality soon. Amen. Thanks for the conversation uh, yes. and thanks for listening to or watching. To everyone at uh, home, if you can, uh, if you want, you can send us a message at the Catholic Buzz Podcast at gmail.com or you can comment right on our YouTube channel uh, or our Facebook or Instagram post. My name is Father Daniele, and for Josh Sullivan and Matt Van Milligan, you've been watching or listening to The Catholic Buzz. We'll see you next time.